The Big 12 just announced their conference-wide pro day, and it sounds eerily similar to the HBCU Combine. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, of course, Sam Darian Gray, a.k.a. The Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. Remember, just because the mic cuts off, doesn't mean that the journey's over. No, no, no. Charge it up. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives right there at the bottom of the screen. Or if you're on the audio side of things, don't forget the S on the end of South Exclusives. Follow me there. Subscribe to the podcast. Y'all know the drill. All right. Norfolk State, they had a revenge tour on their way to their first NCAA tournament bid in over 20 years. The SWAC schools who both had to play in the first four, unfortunately, were just overwhelmed in these matchups. Before we get into any of this, though, the HBCU Combine should pat themselves on the back. I feel like they are truly ahead of their time. They were really the first of their kind, and we'll get to that quote in a second. But the Big 12 has just announced a conference-wide pro day that can't help but make me think of the HBCU Combine. I'm not going to go Soldier Boy mode where he stole mine bar for bar, but I will say there are a lot of similarities within this, which makes the quote of, first of its kind a little bit funny to me but I'll say why they can actually do that so the Big 12 is partnering with the NFL to have a conference-wide pro day it's going to be in Frisco Texas I think next year I think it's going to happen in 2024 for the first time that makes me think of three events two of which who have already happened one which I guess is kind of right along the same timeline timeline as the Big 12 but the first one is the HBCU Combine, which we will relate it to as we continue. The other one is the Mississippi HBCU Pro Day, where Alcorn, Jackson State, Mississippi Valley in 2022 were all out there. And it was kind of like JSU had the attention with Dion. The hope is that it trickles down. It was a great event. I don't know if the Big 12 with Texas and Oklahoma leaving have a brand that's going to just stand so far above the other ones at a at a moment. I don't think so. There's not that that big wave I see. But you know what? That might not be the reason anyway. Then you look at the Louisiana Pro Day. That's the Saints putting on a Pro Day for some of the smaller schools within the state. I think it's great. But all of these group Pro Days, aside from the Mississippi HBCU one, because those happen at the same time, the Combine and the Pro Day, all of these are children of the HBCU Combine to me. And if we're going to be honest, the Combine is just the Pro Day with less emphasis on the school. It's more emphasis on individuals than actual school pride. That's the only difference between a combine. Drill's the same. You get to actually work with some of your individual people. You know, like it's more, it's more specified when we're talking about pro days, but it's really the same stuff, honestly. So when I look at this Big 12 Pro Day, I compare it, but they say it's the first of its kind. Let me put the air quotes, first of its kind. We're going to put air quotes, hard air quotes on that. And the reason I think it's funny, and trust and believe, I don't want props. 
I'm not looking for credit. I didn't come up with it, right? So I have no stake in it, but I'm speaking to you. And when I'm speaking to you, a fellow HBCU lover, a fellow person who maybe you're over here because of the Big 12, I don't know, but you want to know about this and why I would say this. So I'm just going to tell you, I do believe there is some influence from the HBCU Combine. Won't get no credit for it, not tripping about that. So let's get into the distinctions. Why can the Big 12 Pro Day say that they're a first of its kind without lying? The reason they can say that is one, HBCUs are not a conference, right? That's not a conference. Big 12 is a conference and they're branding themselves as a conference pro day. The other part is a combine is not a pro day. I talk about how similar they are and they are. However, it's not a pro day technically. So this is a first group conference pro day. The Big 12 is a lion, but I see the influence all over it. Let's go through it check by check, right? Grouping with a bunch of events that are the same, the 40s, the shuttles, the positional drills, the vertical, the broad. I'm talking about those, not just people coming together to run around, but actual grouping of multiple players from different schools doing the combine slash pro day events. The HBCU combine did that in 2021. Been seeing that, right? We already seen that two times at this point. The Big 12 is doing the same exact thing. They're partnering, the, the uh, Big 12 Pro Day is partnering with the NFL. The HBCU Combine partnered with the NFL. Both of these are with the intention to bring as many teams out to one place with as many schools and players there as possible. Okay, same intention, same style, same model. All right, who's going to cover it? The NFL Network. You know who else covered or you know who else the NFL Network covered? The HBCU Combine. Now, I will watch to see the difference. I think that's going to be the interesting thing. What will be the difference between the coverage of the Big 12 Pro Day and the HBCU Combine? We'll see that next year because they're both beyond. They've already talked about how the Pro Day is going to have coverage on the NFL's digital and social networks. They're going to have a part of the NFL Network broadcast. I'll be interested to see, do they block out an hour? I think the HBCU Combine could get an hour, two hours. You could air the Combine, the entirety of it, on NFL Network. I watch NFL Network. They play replays of games. Take off a game from 2007, put the HBCU Combine on. It won't take that long. It could easily be done. I'll be watching to see if they do that with the Big 12. I'm not going to have a gripe about it, but I will mention it. I promise it. I promise you that. You'll hear it. But then also, outside of just the model, outside of just the coverage, outside of just the partnership, they also have a career fair for the student athletes. The only difference between theirs up to this point, to my knowledge, is that it's for the student athletes only. The HBCU Combine slash Legacy Bowl, all of that, that career fair. And that might be a Legacy Bowl thing, but they kind of were together today or this year. So it kind of lumps in for me. But that career fair was for HBCU students and HBCU student athletes. But this is essentially the same event, same model. Same partnership, same coverage, also has a career fair. These things are so similar, I ain't asking for no credit, but I'd be a fool not to point out the influence. It's just simple as that, point blank, period. And going forward, we had two SWAC schools, Texas Southern and Southern, who both had the opportunity to play themselves into the field of 64 in March Madness, but unfortunately, they fell short, and quite frankly, they were overwhelmed in the first four round. 
We'll talk about this as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked on Podcast Network. Unfortunately, there's no more SWAC schools. I'm going to tell you why. But there's no more SWAC schools to bet on in March Madness. But maybe Norfolk State and Howard can, can beat the spread. What do you think? Can they pull off the magnificent upset of a 16 seed knocking off a number one? If you believe either of those are possible, go ahead and put your money down on FanDuel.com. Going into the NBA season, we're almost through. We have a little less than a month left. So go ahead and put your money down on who's going to win the West, who's going to win the East, who's going to make it to the finals, who's going to make it to the Western Conference finals. How many games is each series going to go? Once you get into the playoffs, the bets become infinitely more interesting to me. And there's only one place to do it. The place that gives you the first bet, no sweat, where if you lose your first bet, they're going to give you free bets back so you can make some money. Don't even worry about it. It's that easy. And that place is FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on is the place to go. Make every moment more. And as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked on College Basketball with Isaac Shade and Andy. They're all going to be on there. They're both going to be on there breaking down the brackets. So check out their college bracket breakdown show so that you can be the most educated person in your friend group about what's going to go down during March. Madness. Also, yep, there we go. I wasn't sure if I was going to point to it right, but there, scan this QR code. Get down with the Locked On newsletter. It's amazing. I've already signed up. I wasn't automatically signed up. I signed up because I thought it was such interesting information. So you guys need to check that out as well. The SWAC was simply overwhelmed in the round of first four in the NCAA tournament. I'm just going to call it the play-in because it just doesn't flow off the tongue for me. We're going to call it the play-in. So in these play-in games, you have Texas Southern men's basketball and Southern women's basketball. Those games just... They weren't that competitive to me. They were overwhelmed relatively early. And going into the later half of the game, it just, you kind of knew it was just, all right, when is it going to hit triple zeros for good? That's kind of the, the feeling I got from both games. I'll look at Texas Southern because when they faced Fairleigh Dickinson, honestly, they were fairly overmatched. Butter. Come on, bro. The wordplay is nice. The word, I understand it's supposed to be a certain level of don't speak on it. But I'm going to speak on it because I'm talking to a camera right now. I'm talking to you personally, but you can't pat me on my back. So I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it myself. Anywho, <laughs> Fairleigh Dickinson is a really good three-point shooting team. We knew that coming in. I didn't talk about it, but we knew that coming in. It's Fairleigh Dickinson is going to shoot from the outside. They're not a big team. They're not a big team at all. And Texas Southern is the worst three-point shooting team in a swag. We also knew that coming in. So it wasn't that they were going to go three for three. When we're talking about guards playing well, it wasn't that I thought that that uh, Henry and, and Barnes were going to shoot phenomenally from three. It was just more so I thought they were going to get better offense. The hope was that if they weren't going to shoot the ball well, Texas Southern, you at least stop Fairleigh Dickinson from shooting the ball very well because percentage against them, right, three-point percentage against them, Texas Southern was the third best team in defending the three-pointer in the SWAC. So they can defend it well. They just don't shoot it well. Well, unfortunately, yesterday, they didn't defend it well. And they did get active in the paint. They did get a good amount of points in the paint. You look at the first half, that's how the story was going to go. Fairleigh Dickinson knocking down nearly every three they took, it felt like. Meanwhile, Texas Southern, they're getting points in the paint. 
decent, decent amount of points, decent production, you end up going into halftime with a 16-point deficit. You can't compete threes and twos. It's just not going to go. Especially when you're making your own fair share of mistakes, you cannot trade threes and twos, and you're the one having twos. It just doesn't work, you know? So TSU, they did what they needed to in the paint, struggled to close out on threes. Some of these threes were open. Some of these threes were slightly contested. There were some deeper threes. It's like, okay, you might maybe didn't think they were going to shoot from back there. But the commentators were talking about it. This is a difficult offense to see only once a year. Maybe if you see it more often, you can figure it out. But once a year, the first time, it's always going to be difficult. And unfortunately, TSU just wasn't able to get it done. Now, the Southern Lady Jaguars, they didn't lose because of three-point shooting. And that wasn't their, their downfall. Their downfall was they couldn't stop the star. Pryor had a really good game. She nearly had a triple-double. She only had 11 points, so I guess, guess they did that right, maybe. But overall, it just didn't feel like Southern successfully accomplished anything they set out to do on the Korea part. Did I say that right? In the Korea Nye Korea, ah, man, I'm just going to call it Pryor because that one is tripping me up again. But Pryor is somebody who you knew you were going to have to stop. Player of the year in the conference. Defensive player of the year in the conference. You knew you were going to have to deal with her at some point. And she had 11 points, 10 assists, 10 assists, excuse me. And then she also had eight rebounds. You didn't do a good job boxing her out, which is something that Coach Funches said was a point of emphasis. Didn't really successfully do that. And yes, she, you held prior to only 11 points. I'll give you that. But she also had 10 assists. So it's not like her offensive output stopped at just scoring the basketball. She was responsible for over 30 points. This was a really good performance by Pryor. I'm not going to take anything from her. The SWAC was just overwhelmed by the NEC. You look at Southerns, and it wasn't just Pryor. Because Sacred Heart had three players who actually went into double digits to Southern's only one. It was just overwhelmed by the amount of scores that Sacred Heart put on the floor. It wasn't a good day for Southern. It wasn't a good day for Texas Southern. Quite frankly, it just wasn't a good day for the SWAC. The NEC had their number this time. They were overwhelmed and outmatched. Who knows? Maybe if they played again, it would be different, but they don't get that chance. It's a one-game elimination playing into the, into the field of 64. You got stuck in the field of 68 this time, unfortunately. But going forward, we have a team who is in the field of 64, and that's Norfolk State women's basketball. And they had a revenge tour that they had to go through in order to get there. Let's dive in and take a travel or take a trip down that road as we continue with Locked on HBCU. And that's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day and making it all the way to segment three. Thank you two times for that. I really do appreciate it. Norfolk State went on an absolute revenge tour on their way to their first NCAA tournament bid in over 20 years. Now, the Lady Spartans, they went 11-3 in the regular season in the MEAC. And they avenged every single one of those losses. Now, I don't want to try to hype it up and make it seem like not being swept is such a big deal. Like everybody gets swept. That's not the case. There's multiple teams who don't get swept in a given season, right? The three teams that they played against, they didn't get swept. Like it's, it's situations like that. The three, teams, the three teams that they lost against, right? They didn't get swept by Norfolk either. So I don't want to make it seem like it's a badge of honor, but it's a fact of how they lost in some situations 
how they came back in certain situations. And in every situation, it was about who they beat. These teams they lost to were no scrubs. Norfolk State was the number one seed in the, in, in the uh, MEAC tournament on the women's side. But the teams they lost to, North Carolina Central, Howard, Morgan State, they were two, three, and four. So you, you got to remember that. We're going to go step by step. So against Morgan State, that was their first loss of the season. Morgan State gave Norfolk State their first loss of the season. And at that time, Morgan State was the unstoppable team. At that time, Morgan State was the team that was undefeated. They were the last undefeated team in the MEAC. We talked about it. They were actually the last undefeated women's basketball team in all of Division I HBCU basketball. Okay. But then they had to run into Norfolk State a second time. And then that's when their O was gone. And it actually led to a spiral. They ended up losing four games in a row. It was crazy. It's almost like Norfolk State broke them and they just couldn't recover. I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know if that was the exact case. But I do, they do know that they lost a bunch of games in a row after Norfolk beat them. So, and it wasn't close. Norfolk State beat Morgan State 74 to 37. That's a margin of victory of 37 points. In the other three games that Morgan State lost all year, they lost by a combined 15 points. 37 in one game to Norfolk State. 15 total points to their other three losses. That's ridiculous. Now you look at North Carolina Central. North Carolina Central, this isn't the most special, but they did beat them. They came back. Norfolk State beat them the second time, but it's not really about that because they didn't hang up a bunch of points on them. They didn't beat them by a large margin the second time. The third time they did, and it's more so about the fact that that was the semifinal matchup. You had to once again avenge a loss, get revenge, or however you want to phrase it. You had to make up for a loss that you had in the regular season. Even if you maybe felt like you did that already, you're on a mission. You got to go against a team that knows what it feels like to beat you, and there's only three teams that feel that way. So that was a big deal to me. The third and final team was by far the most sweet, right? And I'm not a Norfolk State alum, I'm not a Norfolk State fan. Y'all know me, I'm big swack over here. That's, that's just Texas Southern, that's my allegiance. But I can only imagine being a Norfolk State Spartan, specifically a women's basketball player, or even a men's basketball player. We'll get to that at the end. Howard beat Norfolk State in the last game of the season. That's enough reason to want to get revenge in the finals. That's enough. But more than the last game of the regular season, what about the last game of 2022? What about that? That was the finals matchup versus Howard, and you lost that game. And that's the reason that your drought went from being done in 20 years to being done in 21 years. So you're not just trying to get revenge, and maybe you are. I don't know. But I can say with about 97% certainty that Norfolk State women's basketball team was on a mission to beat Howard, not only because they wanted to get to the finals or get to the tournament, excuse me, but because they lost to them in the finals in 2022. And maybe just to add a little cherry on top of it all, just to make it the most sweet that you possibly can. You hated that this happened, but it did. Norfolk State and Howard faced off in both the men's and women's final. The men's final came first and Howard won. So not only did you get to avenge your loss at the end of the regular season. Not only did you get to avenge your loss in the finals of 2022, you also got to avenge the loss of your men's basketball team just a couple of minutes before, just about an hour before when you saw them lose because I know you were probably watching the game in some capacity, checking it out. You know they lost and you kind of defended school pride on that day because it was, it was no way you're going to allow Howard to sweep you 
in the finals in a matter of five to six hours? Child, please. In the word of a, <laughs> in the word of Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, child, please. Ain't no way we letting that go down. So I thought that was probably the most sweet revenge that you could have got on this tour, but you definitely got it done. And one little bit of irony before we get out of here, Howard and Norfolk State both faced off in the men's and the women's final of the MEAC tournament. And in both of these games, the team that won broke a drought of over 20 years making it to the NCAA tournament. Just a little Snapple fact for you before we get out of here. I do appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked On College Basketball for everything you need around the sport. And Isaac and Andy are going to break down the college brackets. So make sure you're checking out the college bracket breakdown show so you can be the smartest person in your friend group when it comes to the tournament. Now, in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. It's still right there. Y'all see it. Don't forget the S on the end. In the meantime, in between time, to next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed, peace.